0: All right, so we are in week 11 of our Things of the Spirit teaching series, and um, we yeah, this has been an epic journey. So we've got this Sunday, and then next Sunday uh, will be the last week of this, so it will end up being a 12-episode series, and uh, we're doing this deep dive into the Holy Spirit, right? So again, a quick recap in case you're new to us and you you haven't been traveling along with all the different topics we've been um, covering, but we started off with... The ten works of the Spirit. Then we looked at um, the the following week. We looked at God's relational presence uh, coming to us through the Scripture. We see that. We then we jumped into um, the idea of spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives these gifts. Then we started to. Then we since then we've been going in detail into the different gifts. So we looked at prophecy. Then we bundled some gifts together. We looked at exhortation, wisdom, and knowledge. Then we looked at faith, healing, and miracles. Then I think it was tongues and interpretation. And then gifts of service, the more practical gifts. And uh, then we did dreams and visions. And last week we did distinguishing spirits um, and deliverance and talking about the demonic and those kind of things. So if you, didn't, if you missed any of those, you're interested in any of those, you can catch up with those online. Um, and today we're talking about more. This is going to be a heavily. There's going to be a lot of application, um, very practical. Some of the practicalities of actually, how do we incorporate all these gifts? How do we actually use them in a church context? And we're specifically looking at the what's called the revelatory gifts, like gifts like prophecy. So, by revelatory, we mean where God gives you a revelation. God speaks to you in some way. And you feel prompted to share that. You feel like it's for other people. And so that can be prophecy. That can be that can be, um, you get a tongue or interpretation of a tongue. You get um, like a word of wisdom, word of knowledge. You know, you, you you feel like, hey, someone, we need to pray for healing for something or whatever it is. There's, there's all these different gifts. And we want to figure out how do we use them during church? How does it actually work? So let's, let's pray and then let's jump into this. Jesus said, thank you that you are building your church, that you have the best plan to build your church, that it is your church that you're building. It's not ours. It belongs to you, and we're a part of it. And so, Lord, help us to follow your words. Help us to follow your ways. Help us to have faith and to have obedience and trust and wisdom to know how to build this thing the way that you want it to be built. So speak to us. Guide us. Give us the the wisdom we need and the practicalities we need to make this a reality, that we might glorify you and that people might find you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it's pretty obvious to us, right, how to use service gifts in the church, like, hey, you're a musician, you're a vocalist, right? It's pretty obvious, right? You're going to join the worship team or you you're a really friendly person, you know, you've got a great, great smile. You're just like, all right, we're going to stick you on the front door, and you're going to say hi to everyone on the way in. Like, it's really, you know, you, you, you teach, right? It's like, hey, you can, you, you know, I'm preaching right now. You might teach in the kids' ministry. You know, you've got those service-oriented gifts are really easy. But when it comes to the, the more supernatural side of things, I mean, it's all supernatural, you understand what I mean. But the, the really, the, the power gifts that we could call them, like like prophecy and healing and all these different gifts, It's not as obvious to people, even though the Bible actually does make it clear to us. A lot of people scratch their heads because either we've perhaps seen strange things happen that we say, well, I don't want to experience that or see that again, or we've never seen it happen. So we just can't imagine how it should work. So that's what we want to dive into today. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to be jumping around 1 Corinthians 14. This first verse is from verse 26. Apostle Paul writes this. He says, what then, brothers... When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So the expectation in Scripture is maximum participation. We should, we're all supposed to be participating in some measure, in some way, in the gathered community of God. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone's just going to get to do whatever they want. It doesn't mean that... Every gift is, needs to be expressed every time or every contribution or everything. Every person's going to get to say their piece, right? That wouldn't be practical. There wouldn't, wouldn't be time for that. But what it does mean is it does mean that we need to have the mindset and the, the inclination to say, well, I can be useful to God and I can participate in all kinds of ways. I've got to look for those ways to to participate. And this is a very different mindset, I would say, than a lot of western christianity in the west church and, and ministry and think there's a lot of good things that come out of western christianity you know christianity has slightly different expressions and variations around the world of course and we celebrate all of that and there are some great things about the expression of church in our context but there are some some snares for us to fall into where we can view ministry or church a bit more consumeristically right where church is a literal service where I just come and people are going to serve me. I'm here to be served. It's a service, after all. I'm going to get served. Rather than it's a service, I'm here to serve God. I'm here to do something for God. I'm here to, um, be, to, to serve other people. I'm here to, to participate in a way that blesses and helps other people. So, we're here to build each other up, to bless each other, to to play a part of this. But it's not just for us. We've got to understand as well that in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 14, we've got this next verse here, hopefully, verse 25. This is talking about a prophecy in the church. When an unbeliever hears a prophecy, it says, The secrets of his heart will be disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. So, our calling, our responsibility to use spiritual gifts in the church is not just that we might be blessed, not just that like, we might see God's power at work or see breakthroughs in certain ways or be encouraged or be built up. It's actually part of our mission to reach people. It's part of the, the mission that unbelievers, those who don't know God, might see powerful things happen by the hand of the Holy Spirit and fall on their face and say, God must be here. God must be here. One of our greatest, as, you know, as it relates to spiritual power, one of our greatest theologians of, of history said, do or do not, you must... No, It's, it's put up the quote. It's from Yoda. <laughs> do or do not, there is no try. I got it right. I messed it up. Yoda, one of the well-known theologians of Christian history. Part of our, part of our mission is to use these, these, these power gifts in church so that the world might believe. Because it's actually how sad to think that people who are seeking God might start to turn on to the idea of God, who have been far from God or have never found God in the first place, might go to church because they might say, well, that's one place that I should be able to find God, right? But then to leave thinking, well, if God's real, I really didn't see much evidence of it there. They didn't really, you know, see much happen. And that, that's the danger, that's one of the snares of, of kind of Christianity in the West is that we, we tend to want to put on a show and we've got our smoke machines and our screens and all these kind of things. And hey, look, there's, there's, there's nothing, you know, nothing necessarily wrong with those things, but it's really the heart behind it. And it's, it's probably, the, the bigger problem is the exclusion of the gifts, of seeking The gifts of the Holy Spirit gives us. So we have this mission to use these gifts, not just to bless and build up the church, but to reach the world as well, that people might encounter God and believe, fall on their faces and believe in God. And this, unlike Tom Cruise, this mission is not impossible. We can actually do this and see this happen. Along this regard, Paul, Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, he says this. He says in verse 33, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And then in verse 40, uh, the next slide, he says, uh, all things should be done decently and in order. So keeping in mind the idea that we need to be built up, we also need to to use our own, you know, we need to be useful, we need to come and, hey, I've got something to share, I've got something to give, I'm going to be, you know, God's gifted me in some way, I want to be useful, I want to build up other people, and we want to reach the world. Unbelievers, these two verses are pointing out to us Those things need to be done, but they need to be done decently and in order because God is a God of peace. He's not a God of confusion or chaos. God has actually brought order out of the chaos, right? He brought light out of darkness. So now some people can read those verses and maybe read them a bit too narrowly and get really focused on the orderly part. And so church becomes so highly structured and ordered that there's there's no wiggle room. There's no flexibility. It's so rigid. It's the, you know, the frozen chosen, right? That's where the, the phrase comes from. And um, there's still room for creativity, right? There's, still, there's a lot of room for creativity because Paul's desire that church should be structured in, a, in an orderly way, that it should be structured in a decent way, that it should be uh, peaceful and not chaotic, is for the sake of understanding, Right? That's, that's the purpose of it. If we don't understand what's happening, then how can we be tra- changed? How can we be transformed? How can we believe the truth, right? It's the truth that sets us free. And if things are happening that are strange or bizarre or don't make sense or don't go together very well, then we're going to be scratching our heads. And it's, it's putting a lot of work on people to kind of like work through that and navigate that and find the good bits of it. If there are distracting things, Uh, that are alongside of it and so we can be very creative actually as long as the creativity brings about more understanding brings about it makes things clearer right and that's that's the challenge of of artistry in general is that sometimes somebody do something absolutely genius and nail something and you go oh my gosh that was the best expression most creative way to put that and boom and open up my eyes and I can see it like I never saw it before so and that can be done decently in order the other side of it, too, though, is that sometimes with artistry, you can have it where it's a little too creative, a little too abstract, a little too odd, and only the artist really gets what's going on. And, and people are scratching their heads thinking, I know there's a meaning here. I really know it's supposed to mean something, but I just don't know, right? And so, so yes, there's room for creativity, but again, the, the, Paul's given us the principle, God's not a God of confusion. So, so we, whatever we do, whether it's creative or not, it needs to be done decently and in order in a way that we can so we can understand it. So Paul, you know, he's writing to the Corinthians, we're reading from Corinthians here. If you don't know much about the Corinthians, they're 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 Christians who are very eager for God's presence and excessively using the gifts, uh, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And rather than Paul saying to them, don't use these gifts, um, he basically tells them the right way to use the gifts and to, to desire the gifts. Hey, you should desire them, but you've got to do them well. And so even in church, he tells them that, that, for example, if somebody feels like they have a tongue, if you miss a week on tongues, go back and listen to that. I'm not going to get into it all now. But if, you, if someone feels like they have a, a prayer that they want to pray, a spiritual prayer, um, that they should pray that they would be able to interpret it themselves. We, this, in 1 Corinthians 14, again, verse 13, it says, Pray that you may interpret it, which is the tongue. So think about this. Paul's telling Christians when they're at church, hey, you should be praying for power from the Holy Spirit. You should have this anticipation that the Holy Spirit will give you gifts, that you might be able to hear from the Spirit and exercise your gifts during a church meeting. Now, so we've got these two kind of competing Ideas, they're not really competing, but we can, the human brain, we tend to create false dichotomies about things. Because on the one side, we've got this idea that we should pursue the gifts, we should be praying in church for power, we should be expecting God to move in in, in amazing ways. Yes, we should be, be hoping for that. But then on the other side, we've got this guidance from Paul saying everything needs to be done decently and in order. And a lot of people see those things as being opposites. How can that go together? But actually, they can go. To, they can completely go together. So Paul gives us these instructions here. I think it's verse twenty-seven through thirty in the same chapter. Paul says this. Now, pay attention to these. These verses are central to the message today. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret. Let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. Was that the last verse? Were there any more verses on there? That's it? All right, that's the last verse. I was hoping that would be in one chunk, but it wasn't, that's all right. So, um, With this description, Paul's giving some very clear practicalities, some very clear guidelines around, hey, we want, you know, we understand that spiritual gifts are often spontaneous. They're not always spontaneous. There can be some preparation to them, or somebody got a dream a week before and you knew it ahead of time, and so you're planning to include it or something, but a lot but that's not always the case. Oftentimes they're spontaneous. Like, you know, you weren't planning on it, but suddenly, boom, the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Something comes to mind, something strikes you a certain way, just something's going on and you're like, wow, I didn't have this a moment ago, but now I've got this, now it's spontaneous. And so Paul's very aware that in the midst of this this spontaneous nature of the Spirit and then the desire to still have orderliness in the church service, that we have to put some practical parameters around how to do this in the most helpful way. And so this description here that Paul's given indicates to us that there is some kind of Organizing that's happening, either on the fly in the moment, the the gifts are being organized somehow in the moment, or it's a bit preemptive. It's happening slightly beforehand. Either it could be a few minutes, or you know, an hour or two. It could, could be slightly preemptive, or it's on the fly as. People are sensing things from the Spirit. We're trying to create some kind of order and structure to this. There's People take turns. People, one person goes and another person goes. And you only have a certain amount of people that can go. And so there are these simple guidelines that are teachings from Paul that he's given us. So we've got to understand, and we've got to understand this. This is why it's so important, is that all the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given are good. They're all so good. And so we must value them. And we must find a way to include them, find a way to allow them to flourish and to happen in the church community. It took me, a oh, parallel for this that I see is it took me many years to grow to the place where I understood that socks at Christmas time were a good thing. When you're younger and you get a pair of Christmas socks, you're a little disappointed because you just wanted toys. And, but then when you get older, you realize Christmas socks, that's where it's at. There's, there's no bad pair of Christmas socks. I haven't discovered them yet. Christmas socks, right? Everyone, Who here likes Christmas socks? Anyone? Oh, Look at that. Christmas socks. Slow, you're a little slow on that one. Still young, still learning, still learning the ways. All the, all, the, all the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives, we must learn to value them, even ones that we're not sure about, even ones that we maybe have seen abused or that we're just very nervous of. We must say, no, if the Holy Spirit's given them, if they're in Scripture, we've got to honor them and we need to receive from them. So Paul's very clear on this. He was like, "Hey, if you, you've got something to share, you've got a tongue, you've got a prophecy, you've got some kind of other contribution to make, then um, you do it. You take turns. Each one in turn. Those are, that's the phrase that Paul uses. Each one in turn. Take your turns." And so, and Paul even indicates that actually, if somebody was kind of set to go first, um, but for some reason somebody else is you know, somebody else has got something that maybe is deemed to be more important or or, or more relevant for the moment, then the person who was ready to go first actually needs to be silent and not go, and and the second person needs to be able to go instead. This is the dynamic, spontaneous nature. This is why a lot of churches don't like to do this stuff, because it makes us nervous, because we like to have control. We like to know what's going to happen. We've got to be prepared. What if someone says something crazy? What if a preacher says something crazy? Preachers say crazy things all the time. If you've been around Trinity any length of time, you know every so often I'll say something crazy. Every, t- every Sunday sometimes I say something crazy. So actually, the, the, we have a verse here, verse uh, in chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 14, the uh, verse 30. It says, again, we read again. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. So what this indicates again is some kind of on-the-fly or preemptive organization of gifts where beforehand we, we know some of the content of what people are sensing. So someone said, hey, I feel like I've got a tongue or I feel like got a word about this thing or there's somebody here who's going through this situation or I feel like we should pray for people with this particular ailment or I had a dream about this thing that happened and I feel like God wants me to share it with everyone I'm not sure what it all means but I feel like the Holy Spirit's prompted me to do that and we and we 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 have some sense of how to incorporate this how do, how do you actually fit this into a church meeting so in my view of this, there is some, there's some organization that happens on the front end, some that's indicated in Paul's teaching here, but there's still, on the back end, you still have to assess how things went and what was said. Because we understand this, just to be clear, if you missed the week on prophecy, we looked at prophecy. If you're jumping in today, some of this, without all the background, some of this might be a bit confusing, so just go back and catch up. But for example, with, with, with prophecy, Where was I going with that point? I totally lost my train of thought with that point. need to consult myself. We're preemptively judging words beforehand, but also just because someone speaks something that they feel from the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that it is gospel, right? Because as we've said on the week on prophecy, that's what I was going to say, on the week on prophecy, we said that. Our source for all doctrine and for all morality comes from the Bible and only the Bible. And so if we're sensing things from the Spirit, those are situational things. They're not doctrinal things. We're not adding to Scripture. We're not changing Scripture. None of that. We're not interested in that at all. Because any time you introduce that you're tempted to mess around and monkey around with the Bible, you've got to, you've got to realize that you can. when you start doing that, you can unravel everything else in the Bible including Jesus, including the gospel message itself. You just have to change, you just change the one thing and then it's a domino effect until you finally, and it takes, the problem is it takes time. People don't realize that. It's a slow effect. You change one thing and the dominoes start falling and they're slow dominoes, right? That's the problem. That's where you get more and more into crazy loony land uh, with certain things. But we want to be grounded in the word. And so when someone's bringing a contribution in church, there is some preemptive organization to it, but there's also... Some judging that comes afterwards to assess, was it actually helpful? Is there anything we need to clean up with this or anything that we need to make clearer about this? Now, even if Paul's instructions here that we read, even if he isn't allowing for some kind of organization to happen ahead of time, even if it should be purely spontaneous, that anyone that gets anything in the Spirit can get up to the front and say whatever, say their piece, and it's only judging on the back end. Even if that's what Paul meant, his overarching principle of orderliness gives us enough flexibility to look at these verses to look at church and look at how things are done and to actually say out of wisdom and out of understanding these principles of valuing spontaneity but also being practically minded that we can marry this together and we can still find very wise justifications for saying we want to assess words on the front end all the contributions on the front end and still judge them on the back end. We want to do both. That's the wisest, smartest way. And I think that's what, when we read these passages from Paul, I think that's what he, he allows us to do, essentially. He says it very clearly. He says, like, hey, if you can have some tongues, there'd be two tongues at the very most three. I can almost imagine Paul is, like, kind of clutching his head like that as he says that. He's like, if you really want to have three tongues in a church service, like, all right, like, I'm going to allow it, but two would be splendid. Um, that would be great. But, you know, if someone's really eager or they've never done it before and they're just stepping out and you're like, all right, we'll let a third one through. That's okay. Uh, but then he also says, hey, if you got, you know, people that want to prophesy, hey, two or three prophets at most, you know, You've got to put some boundaries on it, some limits on it, which, which means that somebody's got to be keeping score. Somebody's got to be responsible for this. Somebody's got to be saying, well, we have we had one of those and two of these, and what's going on here? So that we, otherwise, you end up having disorder. You end up having chaotic things. You'd have random, there's a lot of randomness and things happening, you are like, you're, then when that happens, we're putting an enormous amount of work on each person to keep focused to pay attention, to sort it all out, to understand what it all means. Otherwise, it just gets excessive, like a long sermon that somebody might do one time. <laughs> Say, you just talked for too long, I forgot everything. That happens sometimes, it's all right. So Paul, Paul, so there's got to be somebody keeping score, somebody keeping track of this. And so Paul's saying, hey, two or three tongues, two or three prophecies, you know, whatever other contributions might come. So in my mind, Paul's giving some range there, like, hey, you might have... I guess you could have a church service where there's no contributions. Like, hey, God's not speaking today for some reason and we just didn't get anything. That's fine. That can happen. That's not bad. Hey, we're still here preaching the word. That's the most important thing. We're still here singing praises to Jesus. That's the most important thing. Or you might have upwards of like six contributions. But any more than that, I mean, even that to me sounds like a lot, honestly, like six people coming up and sharing things. Like, they better be really ace words. They better be the best words you've ever heard in your whole life because that's a lot of stuff to share. But Paul's put some kind of limitation on it, some kind of restriction on it. And it seems very clear from these passages that Paul expects some people to take extra responsibility to evaluate, to to judge, and to weigh these words. He says, let the others weigh what is said. We read it in the verses. Let the others weigh what is said. So what this means is to weigh a contribution, something that somebody's going to feel like the Holy Spirit's given them, to weigh it means to evaluate it. You're judging it, you're testing it because guess what we you know uh, we need that right we can embellish prophecy we can uh, get confused or say not quite say something exactly right and so it's got to be judged it's got to be weighed and uh, that means there are certain people with this responsibility that do this and Paul's very clear Paul kind of pulls... He pulls the the trump card on the Corinthians here because he's he's maybe anticipating that they won't like this because they'd be so used to being wild and completely bananas about their use of gifts. I mean, some of the things the Corinthians were doing were not healthy, not good, and they were just being crazy about it. And So he's anticipating that they're going to not be happy with this. And so Paul, in 1 Corinthians 14, this next verse that we have, uh, in verse 37, he says, If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. So he's played the Jesus trump card. He's saying, if you think you have a better way of doing this, this is at the end of this whole section where he's talking about how to do spiritual gifts at church. Right At the very end of it, he's like, listen, buddy, you think you're a prophet, you think you're already spiritual, you think you've got something to say, you've got to understand, this is from Jesus. Jesus has taught this. This comes from him. So it's like, you, you, you know, once that's said... It ends the conversation, right? You're like so what that means is it means for us we don't have the luxury of just doing whatever we want to do, or doing what we would think would be best. We that means if this is a command of Jesus and as Christians we're followers of Jesus, that means we obey the words of Jesus, that means we need to obey these instructions too. Right? They don't these words don't appear in the gospels. Was it that Jesus gave these to the disciples, to the apostles, and then they told Paul? That's where Paul's getting it from? Or is it that Paul received it through direct revelation from Jesus? I don't know how he got it, but he's telling us it's directly from Jesus. Either way, it's from Jesus. It's in the Bible. We don't have the luxury of doing it different ways. We have to find the way through the words that have been revealed in order to do this. Now, it is is spiritual leaders in the church, right? The, The shepherds, the pastors, the leaders of the church that have the primary responsibility to shepherd the flock. And so there is an important responsibility upon those who lead in that regard to do our best to be open to the gifts, to say, well, yeah, of course we want the spirit to speak, but to do it in the way that's the most helpful way to do it. And so leaders have the responsibility to evaluate, ultimately to evaluate and judge things, that responsibility can be delegated to others at various times and depending on the context. So here's how we do this at Trinity. It's super practical now. So, so if, you, if, you, if you lost your attention or you're fading away, you're falling asleep, just, just, just zone in here, focus in here, zoom in here, whatever it is. Here's, the, here's how we do this at Trinity. In light of the verses that we have here from the Apostle Paul, here's how we try to incorporate things on a Sunday morning, so that we can honor the spontaneity of the Spirit and the orderliness uh, that we're instructed to to keep to. So during church, there's not going to be a bunch of opportunities, right, to share a contribution. Like, it probably wouldn't be appropriate to interrupt a sermon to do it or uh, something like that. I don't think that... I don't particularly see that happening. I don't see that happening in the Bible. I don't see that happening in churches. Um... You know, it's gonna it's gonna fit more into the singing time, right? Makes sense. It could, could go maybe in some other moments, but uh, that, those are the two main things that happen anyway. Um, so what happens is, you know, in our church service, we have a couple of songs at the beginning. We're warming up. I rarely ever get anyone coming to me during the first two songs, being like, "I've got something from the Holy Spirit. I've got to share it." Like that, that could happen. I'll be open to it, but that rarely ever happens. People are like, "I've got to get my coffee before I can prophesy." All right, <laughs> so. You got, you got that. Then, you know, then we have our announcements, right? Do all that, take care of that stuff. Then we have the sermon. And then as a response to the sermon, as a response to the word, then we go back into worship and we do communion, right? And we have a couple other songs. So that, the back part of the meeting is the golden opportunity for us to incorporate words and to incorporate contributions and prophecies and other prophetic things that might happen. So um, the way this happens is right now I'm the one mainly doing this uh, in the before pre-pandemic we had a small team of people that would do this so trying to we've had a few setbacks in the last few years so we're trying to rebuild that but we'll get there eventually but essentially what happens is during that second half of the service maybe once you get up and get your communion or even before that or just after that sometime during that that last section some people if they feel the Holy Spirit put something on their heart they'll come and find me on the front row here and they'll say hey I you know I feel like I got something from from the Holy Spirit. And I say, great, you know, share it with me or give me the gist of it. Um, and so they say, you know, explain what it is. And then, you know, at that, at that time, then it's, it's a matter of like, all right, do we have other words? You know, trying to best figure out in that moment, okay, how do we make space for this uh, in the meeting? And the nice way about doing it during a worship song and doing it at the front here is that it's fairly discreet doesn't cause a lot of dis- disruption or disturbance. Um, we're not making a big hoo-ha out of it. We're not having to pause things, and people weren't wondering what's going on. So it's a nice, discreet, and healthy way to keep an orderliness to our meeting, but also, hey, something's popped up that we want to fit in. Right Now, there's three tests that we use to judge, to weigh a contribution in that moment. They're very simple. The first question that we ask is, is this theological or theologically sound? So, in that question, we're asking: Does it contradict anything in God's word? Now, if it do, it's, it's rare that it does, but but and if it does, it's usually um, not intentional. It's usually perhaps something's just been worded in a clumsy way, or um, somebody they mean something else by what they're saying, but their, their words could indicate the wrong thing, and so. Um, in very rare situations, you could have somebody that's saying something completely out of bounds, and in that case, it needs to be rejected. If it's not that, then it just needs a little bit of correction, just needs, hey, maybe don't use this word, that could be misleading, people might think you mean this, but you actually mean this. Um, it could be, maybe add a, a, a sentence to explain this part of it, or maybe don't even mention this other thing, like I don't think that necessarily helps, because what we we're understanding is that the Holy Spirit speaks, he gives revelation, but he gives us the ability to communicate it with our own abilities. And some of us, you know, hopefully the, the more we know the word and the more experience we have, we, we get better in that. And some people have more natural communication gifts as well. So some people are going to excel at it and others are going to maybe stumble over their words a little bit or feel a little bit uncertain about it. And the, It doesn't matter how polished we are. The point is that we're responding to the Holy Spirit and we're seeking to hear from him. So that's the first test is, is it theologically sound? All right, if it passes that test, then the second test is, do we, do we know and trust this person? Is there, is there unity with this person? Because if, if the person bringing it is in some kind of disunity with the church, or we don't, we don't know them, I mean, especially if we don't trust them, then guess what? They're not going to get to share. They shouldn't get to share. It's not, wise, it's not wise shepherding just to give a microphone to somebody that you don't know, especially, or that Is not in good standing in the church because it's very disorienting if people know this person's, there's a lot of disunity with this particular person, but they're getting up and prophesying and telling us things and saying, God said this and God said this, and like that's gonna create some real negative dynamics in a church community. And so that's the second step that you take. So if someone crosses that step, so first one's theologically sound, second one is the person themselves. Do we, you know, is there unity with this person? Do we do we trust them and know them? And then, because uh, I've said, I'll tell you this, I've had this before, where somebody shared something with me, oh, this is my word. I'm like, hey, that's great, let's have you do it. And they get up and they say something completely different. That's happened before. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not having you do that ever again. <laughs> or maybe in 10 years after you've rebuilt trust, maybe then. Um, but the third, the third test is, um, is it for the moment? Is this contribution for this moment right now? Because you can pass the first two tests. Hey, it's great. Fits into the Bible really well. Like, there's nothing nothing wrong with that. Hey, yeah, this person's, like, known and trusted. And, like, this is, you know. But you might sense, you know, it just doesn't fit in with the other things that are happening. It's it's good, but it's just a little bit disjointed from everything else. And so um, what that means is, you know, something has to pass those three tests in order to then, you know, have the opportunity to be shared. If we don't pass those tests, then... You have to hit the pause button on it. you have to hold on to it and say you know I, I'm not going to get to to share it and it, and it could be it could be you know what maybe this word is just for me maybe maybe God's speaking to me, and I just really had faith and felt like it was for lots of other people, but it's actually just for me maybe that's that's happened before to people maybe um it's not maybe it's for a future time maybe you need to hold on to it, and you need to hone it a little bit maybe um it's incomplete maybe I've had this before I've had this myself, and I've also heard it from other people where they've got something, but it's like it's the beginning of it, but it—it's not like it doesn't. The plane doesn't land very well. Like it's like there needs to be some application or, or something to it to kind of round it out. And so it's like, hey, just wait on God and, and see what else He might say to you to, to finish it off. It could also be some of these negative things, more like, hey, you know, is there a disconnect, you know, in, in relationship here? Where you know, let's work, let's talk about let's work on that. Or uh, you know, is this word kind of off somehow? Is it is it too heavy-handed somehow? Or um, you know, whatever is going on there hey, we've got, we've got to be willing to, to hear those things and to hold back the word and say, uh, it's not the right thing, not the right timing for this. This is a principle that Paul spells out. So this next verse here in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 28, it says, if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. So we have exact, clear, spiritual teaching on this from Paul that like, hey, you feel prompted to bring something? Like, in this case, it's a tongue, but no one's there to interpret it. Well, then you're going to have to return to your spot and just pray that to yourself. Pray that between you and God. And uh, that's Paul's example. That's how Paul um, explains it. And, uh, you know, the best thing to do with a gift that doesn't get used is to re-gift it, right? So just uh, find another opportunity later on, give it to somebody else. Um, Now, there can be a sense of shame in this. So let's imagine this. Imagine you you get the boldness and the courage to come up the front and, and talk to me or whoever's delegated to do this on, on a particular day, and you submit it and you share it and you say, you know, you, you you pour your heart out with it, and like this is what I feel. And I've got to be honest with you, you know, when, when you you get something like from the Holy Spirit like this, you know, um, Christians in, in days gone by have called, called it the quickening of the Spirit, or you know, uh, and the reason they called it that is because you know there's an urgency that it can come with. You can really feel like compelled, almost like a You're not forced to do it, but but there's definitely a strong sense of being compelled in a positive way. And there can be a sense of disappointment and shame if it doesn't work out for one of the reasons mentioned. You know, oh, it's just not, you know, maybe we're out of time. You know, we're on the last song. Like, we're wrapping up. Like, we've already had a few things. And, you know, if you'd come earlier, maybe. But we already already had four words. And it's like, you know, we just need to let people's brains rest a little bit from all the prophesying. And, you know, the that can be there can be a sense of shame in there or a sense of disappointment and the the imagined judgment from people who might see that we get turned away what sometimes might be referred to as the walk of shame where you have to walk back to your seat because you didn't get to to share your thing and i think we, we have to get ahead of the, that and realize and be willing and realize like that that's going to happen that's just going to happen because our gifts are not about us right it's not about it's not about do I get the opportunity to share? Or God says it, so it must be so important, so I must get an opportunity. Listen, listen, if God wants to speak and get something across to someone, he's got millions of ways to do it. I mean, he does want to use us, which is why he gives the gifts. Our job is to be obedient and to be responsive. Hey, i got something. All I need to do is submit it. Submit it to the leadership. Say, hey, this is what it is. Is this for now? Is it, could we fit this in? Now, I know some people go up praying. Please let them say No. Please let them say no because they want to obey, but they're praying no. And I've even had some people before say, "I was so relieved when I was turned away." <laughs> they actually wanted to be turned away because they were too. No- hey, look, it said, you know, I think there are stats on this, right? That some people are, would rather die than, than than do public speaking, right? <laughs> people are terrified sometimes to get up in front of people, and which is, uh, you know, I get it. Like it, it can be a terrifying thing. The more you do it, the more more use you you get to it, of course. But um, so, so we want to learn to. Just be obedient, to trust God with it, and also to not resent those who are judging words and weighing words and trying to organize these things if, if it's not the right thing, or they, they've got misgivings about it, or concerns about it, or the timing's a little off, to not resent that, to be really open-handed with it, really humble about it, say, it's all right, like, I trust God, trust the Holy Spirit, like, got to use it maybe in another time, or... You know maybe I'll you know there's a different way this is going to work out to to really be mature in that way so that we don't create tensions and disappointments like you know even thinking things like well, well the other person always gets to share something, but I, I get turned away you know like we've got to be we've got to address those things and be um, be clear about why something might not fit in and and how to grow and improve in that area um, as well now in church life, there might also be other opportunities where like Paul saying. Hey, you're going to have unbelievers amongst you, and they're going to hear prophecies, and because of that, you want things to be done decently and order. Like, Paul uses the phrase outsider and unbeliever a few times repeatedly in Corinthians. And now, what you can't take with that, you can't push that to the seeker model, the seeker-sensitive model, where you're like, everything has to be done to not offend unbelievers right? That's ludicrous. Like the gospel is, itself is offensive, right? So it's like, what, are you going to get rid of that? Like, no. So, But also, you, you've got to also understand on the flip side of that that oh, we're going to have situations, we're going to have meetings where there are not unbelievers, right? That people are not present that we have to be cognizant of. And so like you might be at a prayer gathering, you might be at a small group, you might be at a conference, you might be at a retreat, you might be at, in a place where um, we don't have to worry about some of the, the guidelines that Paul has given us here because we're not. Um, there can be a little bit more, um, I don't want to say disorder because that sounds wrong, but a, a little bit more freedom with it, I could say. And so um, in those kind of situations, the idea to preemptively organize gifts and judge them ahead of time, those expectations can be relaxed a little bit um, because you're typically dealing with Christians who kind of, they understand how this works. Maybe there's a little bit more maturity or experience of doing these things. And so those things can be a little bit more free-flowing. And in that context, if anything still goes off the rails, you've got leaders there who can step in and and fix things. And in my experience, that rarely ever happens. Um, So so there's a few different contexts here. The other thing as well that we have to learn about this is that not all of our spiritual gifts or our contributions need to happen publicly. Because especially think about the bigger a church is, and a church that takes this seriously, the bigger you get... I mean, there's, the percentage-wise of people that are actually going to get to share something is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller, right? So we, what we need to be sensitive to and have the right expectation about is, hey, if I feel like the Holy Spirit speaks to me, well, I need to be really in tune with maybe even primarily sharing words more on a one-on-one basis with people. It doesn't always have to be from the front. Sometimes that's where we go to in our minds. We go, oh, it's got to be some epic prophecy, about some, something massive that's going to happen. I've got to share it with everyone. And actually, you know what? It might just be that God's put something on your heart to share with somebody else. And, and, and you just need to be sensitive to that and um, obedient to that. We actually have plenty of examples of this in the Bible. We've got this little list here. Just go ahead and throw, throw this list up. So, example of personal words given in Scripture. So, Nathan to David, Jesus to Nathaniel, Jesus to the woman at the well, Elders to Timothy, and then Agabus to Paul. Our words that we give to, to each other, things that we share that the Holy Spirit puts on our hearts, they, we've got to make sure we're doing it in a spirit of love, that they're helpful, they're there to build people up. They're a true blessing, like those Christmas socks. The, true, the gift is a true blessing to somebody. Apostle Peter puts it like this in First Peter 4, verse 10. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another we're here with these gifts to serve each other to bless each other and the, this principle we understand this principle that we're given these guidelines that we're given of hey it's got to be theologically sound it's, you know do we trust to know the person is it for the right moment now like all of these guidelines they apply as well not just publicly when we're sharing things but if i'm having a conversation with somebody when I'm, I'm sharing i feel like god's given me something for them Those things still apply. And so here's what we should do. When, if we've got a word for somebody, it's not always wise to just do it one-on-one with them, but actually to say, to bring somebody else into it, right? It's better to to, to approach somebody and say, hey, I brought this person with me. I feel like I got something from the Holy Spirit, and I just want to pray, ask if we can pray for you and just encourage you. And then that way, when we do that, when we include, we're allowing somebody else to weigh it. So it's not just, because, we all, we all know that spiritual gifts can be greatly abused, where people will start saying, well, God said this to me about you, and it's, but it's manipulation, right? It's fabricated. Or maybe there's some element to it, but we embellished it. Somehow we pushed it because we're like, well, like, what I really want God to tell this person is this extra stuff. So I didn't, get, I didn't get enough. So I've got to add something to it. You know, that can happen, right? We, and some people don't like the idea of this, but we saw it before with Agabus in Acts, the book of Acts, where... He's prophesying about Paul being arrested. The prophecy comes true, so he's a true prophet, but some of the details weren't exactly right. And so, again, the Holy Spirit gives us an impression, a revelation of something. We have the responsibility to word it and to communicate it. Let me ask you, do you ever have problems communicating with people? Well, you say something and you're like, man, that was crystal clear. They got it, they nodded, they all agreed on it. But then later on, you find out we were having two separate conversations. Like is that, how, how often does that happen to you? That, that, that's happened so many times. Like, My wife and I, when we're trying to work on things in our house, we've gotten to the place where we're like, let's just draw it on a piece of paper. Because <laughs> like, well, you do this here, and then this goes here, and then you've got this other thing around here, and then... Just draw it down, write it, draw it out, sketch it out. Then I'll, I'll get more of an idea of it. And then you do the sketch, and you're like, yeah, I didn't have that in my head at all. That's completely different to what I had in my head. We all have communication problems. And so if we're going to share a personal world with someone, let's bring somebody else along. That creates accountability. That, co- that communicates care to that person. That communicates humility to that person. Well, I want you to be safe. I want you to feel safe with me sharing this with you. So I've got somebody else here. Also, it's wise it protects you from what? From any false accusations or, well, this person said this to me. You're like, I didn't say that. Well, then you've got a third person there who can say, yeah, well, I was in that conversation. It, it, well, actually, they did say that or no, they didn't say that. It's just wise to do it that way. We, don't want to be, we also want to be cautious of those who, we've had this over the years from time to time, people who excessively prophesy or give words to people, and they're just hunting people down. Every Sunday, cornering people. they got 10 words for every single person. And, you know, what's going on there? I don't know what's going on, but uh, that's not good. The fruit of that is pretty bad. And we just want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We just want to obey the Holy Spirit and and respond. You know, sometimes people just, they're, they're using spiritual gifts to make themselves look big or look impressive. Um... And the fruit of that, though, is typically those people end up being very isolated from the community. People avoid them. I remember having a conversation with somebody years ago and saying, like, look, I think you've damaged a lot of relationships at church because you're just like, it's like you're a crazy, like you're just pulling out your guns and just shooting people with prophecies all the time. And you've wounded a lot of people. And I said, you need need to repair that. You need to go and apologize to people for that. And, uh, you know, and their response was, well, can you tell me who? And I'm like... Well, I don't know who you've been talking to. You need to go find those people and make that right. And uh, we want to be, so we want to be cautious about that because that can be very toxic and very, even dangerous, actually. How can you be be the kind of Christian who's mature enough to say, I don't just come to church just to be served, but I come to participate. That the New Testament model and style of church is full participation. The saints, we all, we're all playing a part. How can you do that? How can you, not other people, not the people with all the fancy gifts. You. How can you do that? First thing is to be present. You can't do it if you don't show up. So, hey, how can I make this a priority? How can I make sure I'm present? How can I make sure I'm there? Second thing is to be. Start being aware. Start being aware. Start looking. Start having the eyes of God. Saying, "What is God doing? What's going on in other people?" Not just being so cons- always consumed. It's so easy to be consumed with ourselves and our needs and what we want and what we're feeling. Start being aware what's going on? I'm here to serve. This is a service. I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve God. am here to serve other people. How can I be aware of that? But then also thinking about, hey, how can I prioritize like prayer gatherings? You know, we do prayer and fasting gatherings throughout the year. How can I prioritize those? How can I, how can I prioritize a small group? How can I be ready? When I'm, when I'm around people, I'm asking, God, how can I bless people? And you may not be the kind of person that gets a lot of spiritual insight. You may not be the person with the the words of knowledge and the prophecy, you might just be somebody who's, maybe you're, you're more service oriented, you're more practically oriented and you, you can meet needs and maybe you're the kind of person who's got encouraging words, you know, you can exalt people in different ways, whatever it might be, how can you respond in that way and be ready in that way? You know, what's the greatest gift? The greatest gift of the Spirit that can be given in church is the gift of salvation. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. That's the gift that we should wanna see all the time is people being given the gift of salvation, saved from their sin, made alive in Jesus. We should want that to happen. We should, want, we should be praying for that, seeking that, wanting that to happen. But I wanna encourage you, if you're somebody, you don't know Jesus, you, you can't say you've been saved by Jesus. What does it mean to be saved by Jesus? Well, our sin is the problem. Our sin separates us from a holy God. God's holiness and our sin, there's a, a gulf between us And Jesus has come to build that bridge, to fill in that gap, that we might be able to cross that gap from our our sin towards God's holiness. It's only through Jesus. Come in to his family today. Come into his family today. Maybe there'll be a prophecy for you today to show you God's power. Maybe there'll be a word of encouragement. Maybe there'll be something that's spoken to you already in the service today to help you know God is speaking to you. God is talking to you. God is helping you. God is here for you and loves you and is blessing you. Let me pray. Jesus, pour out your spirit. I pray that we would be a church that is full of your spirit, full of your power, that we would be a church that is in tune and aware and listening to your voice, listening and that we're full of faith, full of expectation. I pray that we would see an increasing maturity of our contributions help us not to feel shame or embarrassment if we don't get to share but also give us that, that, that obedience and trust and boldness to, to respond but, but Lord that we would have it where we have unbelievers and outsiders amongst us that fall on their faces and declare that you, you must be here because what kind of power is this at work you must be here Lord help us to be the kind of church that you came to start not the kind of church that man wants to build that's just sensitive, seeker sensitive. We don't want to be that. We want to be those filled with your power. But also, Lord, help us to be orderly. Help us to not be chaotic or confusing. Help us, Lord, to be those who are wise and that seek to follow your words. Speak, Holy Spirit, speak. Anyone that doesn't know you, bring them into your family today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.